What up, survivors? Welcome to D180, the horror movie podcast, taking you on a ride. Thanks for coming. I'm AJ. And I'm Janae. And it's finally May, and the theme is Lost and Found Footage. Found Footage is one of my favorite genres in horror. I know for some, y'all might see it as a quick and cheap little effort, but you got to admit, it's some really great found footage movies. There are some great found footage movies, like Paranormal Activity Series. That was my favorite. That's one of my top favorites, too. If you guys want to see what we'll be covering this month, you can visit our IG page, Boo Day 180 Podcast. Click on the park things highlight, and everything will be right there for you. I think I love what we do. You'll find out when you click on it. I'm pretty sure I did. But in the meantime, I do have your park recommendations. You ready? Yep. So number one. Now, um, actually, I'm going to be honest. This first one, I have not seen myself. I am in no rush to see it. But if you're looking for something similar to what we're talking about today, number one, you can start at Cannibal Holocaust. Now, I must warn you guys. This one is a, it's a doozy, not in a bad way, but it's a doozy. So if you go in there and you, you know, something happened that you just wasn't ready for, don't come blaming me. This is just my job to recommend, okay? <laughs> and then the second one, Johnny, I'm sure you've seen this one. But if you're just in the mood for something similar to this and it's a little bit new, you could try Paranormal Activity. Oh, yeah, I've seen up to three after the third one. Oh, child, no. Oh, no. Absolutely not. Every single one of those, except for you, six, need to be witnessed. Six, you can leave that alone. You don't need to watch that. Yeah, I kind of, like, I think I, like, checked out after a while, because it was like, how many of these gonna make? Like, why y'all keep making these? (laughs) Kind of like with the Saw movies. I was like, how many Saw movies are y'all gonna make? I mean, just like they do in the earlier decades, like in the 80s, it's like, what, seven, no, wait, eight or seven Freddy movies, it's like 12 Jason movies, it's so many Halloween movies. I mean, that's what it is when it's a franchise. It's just what formula can you do? Where can you take it? I enjoy it. I love it. Please, and I can't wait. Just like I'm tired of Fast and Furious. I cannot wait for the next Paranormal Activity to come out. That's underway, and I can't wait. I will be right there, my ass, hopefully in the theater, enjoying it. But we're not here to talk about paranormal activity. We're here to talk about the one that low-key, not for real, because Cannibal Holocaust is really the one that started it for found footage, right? But the Blair Witch Project coming out in 1999 is the one that kind of paved the way for found footage low-key, if you want to think about it. There is a movie called The Last Broadcast. I can't remember what year that came out, but that came out in between Cannibal Holocaust and before the Blair Witch Project. So you can kind of say that might've kicked it off, but the Blair Witch Project just had something really, really special about it. And I guess we could start about, excuse me. And I guess we could just start with talking about how we found the movie, really. So this was actually my first time watching it. And I honestly don't recall anything about this movie beforehand, except knowing that it was fake. Like, I think I recall people talking about it back in 99, but how old were you in 99? I was in first grade. I did. I just remember people talking about it growing up and that this was like a must-see movie, but I just never saw it. I have the complete opposite 
reaction or experience, I guess I can say. Obviously, I didn't see the movie when it came out. As I said, I was in first grade. But as I've said time and time again, I do have older sisters. Now, to clear the air and be real with y'all, I actually saw the Scooby-Doo Project first before I saw the Blair Witch Project, okay? And if you're not familiar, I'm gonna link it down below. The Scooby-Doo Project came on Cartoon Network and it would just be these clips of like the Blair Witch Project, but it was Scooby-Doo in the game. Have you seen this? No, I've never heard of this. Oh, hell no, John Day. Where was your childhood, Missy? What? Yeah, I haven't heard of this. Oh, no, ma'am. I know, I'm going to force you to watch this. Yes, so it was like a little spoof on, just like I said, um, I can't remember the first time I saw the Blair Witch Project, but I do remember being afraid of it as a younger child because I grew up in Gary, Indiana. We are hop skipping away from Chicago. I was already scared of the Sugar Man. I'm, we don't say his name over here, but y'all know who I'm talking about. I already scared of him. We was doing that Bloody Mary stuff in the mirrors. We was relentless. So anything with an urban legend low key was going to get me when I was little. Seeing it for the first time, I really, like I said, I can't remember. At that point, I think I knew it was fake, but I was still intrigued by the marketing because they did so much to convince you that this movie was real. And yeah, I mean, they I'm not going to stunt. I bought, I mean, obviously when I was little, of course I'm going to buy it, but so many people bought it. Yeah, like even now, my like I said, I think last week, my little brother thought, or one of them thought that it was real. And then when he, cause he was like, Are the t- did they ever find the teenagers? And I was like, Caleb, it's not real. And he was like, <laughs> what, seriously? And I was like, yeah, cause he tried to watch it. Cause he asked me, he was like, have you seen the Blair Witch Project? And I really thought that I had. And I was like, yeah, but I've seen it a long time ago. Not realizing that I really hadn't watched it. But he was like that it was born and he couldn't get into it. But he was like, to- is it real? And I'm like, no. I have to be honest, I can understand, and you know me, anytime I watch a movie, I do everything required. I have to set the mood for whatever it is, and I do a very good job of placing myself in the then time of the movie. So, you know, we're in 1999, the internet is here, but it's not really a big, big thing. Cell phones are here, but still again, that technology isn't really there and far as it is today. So I could see, like, any of my nieces and nephews born in the 2000s and beyond, if they watch this, I could see them being like, okay, like, you know, because as far as horror goes, I really re- I realize, unless you're just a person that's open to everything, the decade of horror that you're born into does have a lot to do with how you see horror, if that makes sense. Because I would be willing to bet that your brother probably enjoys like the Conjuring series or yeah, any of the like, franchises we, that come out that have come yeah, out. Like and, we'll watch yeah. the Conjuring together. So he's actually ready for Conjuring Four. Is that the fourth one that's coming out? Andrew? The Devil Made Me Do It. Yeah, so he's ready for that one to come out. He's already been sending me, like, the trailers and stuff. And then, like, Insidious and stuff like that. But um, I don't think we watched Annabelle. Did we watch Annabelle? No, we didn't watch Annabelle. But he's into, like, those type of scary movies. And see, no shade to those type of scary movies because I will give credit. Some, Conjuring 1 and 2, are great. The others, not so much. Anyway, the thing about it is this movie sets itself apart by not giving you so many jump scares and it's just giving you tension and dread. And if you're not a person that, you know, 
I won't say is used to because that's not really it. If you're if that's not your taste, then I can see how this movie might not do it for you. Because you got to consider for this movie, especially it came out post-screen era. And we've had this conversation. You already know it was the familiar formula of the teens getting killed by some type of means, whether they're in the high school, college, cabin in the woods, in the mall, in the wherever the hell, at work, wherever they are. This is now getting a personal view, a documentary type girl. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, my mama and daddy always had a damn video camera in my face. And I remember watching these back to back. And this looks just like that. Like I forgot how authentic this movie looks, especially when you compare it to the newer found footage movies like uh, any of the movies we'll even be watching later on this month. None of them look like this movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't correlate with family home movies and stuff like that because I was the one who started recording things once I got into like middle school. Um, but yeah, this movie, I'm with Caleb on this. <laughs> I kind of figured that, I figured. But I'll just leave with this before we get into the rest of our show. This movie is one of the vital horrors that you do need to see. I would highly recommend it. Um, like I said, it might not be some people's speed, but it definitely is one that you have to appreciate, especially going into the found footage genre. So this was directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez, and they also wrote the movie as well and edited the movie. Um, and then it was produced by Robin Cowie and Greg Hale, and then it starred Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, and Joshua Leonard. I think it was crazy the way they got casted. Josh literally got casted because he knew how to use the camera. There's a whole story. A lot of this I'm not going to regurgitate. I'll link it down below. You guys can watch this super dope documentary. It's two of them. The one I'm talking about kind of just gives you some behind the scene one. The other one is one that came out before the movie came out on Sci-Fi Channel. Johnna, you probably haven't seen this documentary. I'm not sure. But this is what really made me think this stuff was real. Because I remember my first grade ass seeing this. And I don't know how, but I saw it. It's just a documentary behind the scenes of all the stories. Like with Rustin Parr. Um, I don't think you know everybody that's in this story it makes it gives backstory to everything that happened in the movie as far as Merrick and Sanchez go I think they did a good job for what they had because didn't they like film in like eight days yes it was filmed in eight days but then it took eight months to edit it this movie really interests me because I don't know about you but I grew up in a performing arts school and I really like the tactic that they used with improv if anyone else doesn't know, what they basically would do with each scene, and we'll tell you throughout when we discuss, through each scene, each of the actors would get a piece of paper and it would tell them what to do. But they're not telling the other actors, you know, what's on their paper. So no one knows why you're acting the way you're acting. You know what I'm saying? It's really a big improv class. And I would remember having to do that in middle school. So seeing them doing, especially watching it now as an adult and understanding more, I kind of like, because low-key, sometimes they're coming out of character and it gets real if you pay attention to some of this stuff. And I love to talk about it. They said that they had to keep intervening to like calm down the tensions between them. 
Mm-hmm. Especially because they were going to take this movie in so many ways. You can watch it in one lens because Josh and Heather in one version of the script, they were going to be exes. And even when you watch it, you can see the tension between them. But just imagine if that was the storyline, you know, that would give it a different perspective. There's another quote unquote theory that Josh and Mike might have been the ones that actually killed her and they lured her in the forest in the first place. And I mean, I'm pretty sure that would be a dope movie, but I don't know if I like that here, though. Mm, I don't like that. I mean, like, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a movie for that somewhere, and there probably is a movie like that. I mean, but she really did take a knife into the forest because she didn't like the idea of having to sleep with two guys, so. I mean, you always got to stay protected. That's understood, though. That's true. Well, are you ready to go to the queue line? You know I am. Howdy, survivors. Please keep your tips and limbs inside the vehicle and remain seated at all times. Hang on to your personal belongings, especially your minds and spines. Cause this here's a wild ride. First one, would you rather get lost in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the Blair Witch Project House? Um, that's hard. Dang, that's hard. Probably, I'll probably have to take my chances in the TCM house because I might have a fighting chance to get out. I just feel like the second one, I don't know. Uh, would you rather wake up in the reverse bear trap from Saw, I think, or the needle pit? Um, I'll take one for the needle pit. Okay. And then would you rather make out with Pennywise or Michael Myers? Oh, I guess in the past I helped dealt with some clown niggas, but that ain't mm. my case no more. Um, I don't know, because Michael is triggered by sex, so he might kill me and be confused. I'm going to go with Pennywise, because he a shapeshifter, so I could just act like I'm scared of something beautiful, and he turned into it. <laughs> Would you rather spend a week alone in the room with Annabelle or the nun painting from the Conjuring films? Oh, hell. Damn, probably that B-word Annabelle. Because that painting, I'm just telling you right now, if I see a body come out the frame, bitch, I'm kicking it. (laughs) Would you rather be possessed temporarily by the demon in The Exorcist or the one in Hereditary? Oh, payment. Oh, no. Payment. Oh, no. Not payment. But Pazuzu? Um, oh, damn. Damn, that's kind of tough. Actually, you know what? Let's go with the one in The Exorcist because I guess they kind of help. Would you rather try to fight off Freddy Krueger or Leatherface? Oh, let's come on, Freddy. Fight me, Nia. <laughs> <laughs> And would you rather spend your summer at Camp Crystal Lake from Friday the 13th or the cabin from The Evil Dead? Damn, can I, like, take my chances at Camp Arawak from Sleepaway Camp? Yeah, it's not an option. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who was this? Oh, Evil Dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm going to the Evil Dead cabin because I wouldn't touch shit. That's true. But you can't help the other people who with you. 
I will whoop all of y'all. <laughs> Would you rather uh, be hunted, well, haunted, sorry, by the girl from the ring or the demon from paranormal activity for one year? Oh, hell no. What? First of all, because the girl from the ring, she gonna get you in seven days. So that's not even, you know, that's not even gonna work. You getting cheated out of your year right there. So actually, you know what? I'm gonna take Toby because if you just ignore him, he will go somewhere else. And then the last one, would you rather spend a night alone at the base motel or the Overlook Hotel? Oh, damn. You know what? If I spend a night at the Bates, I'm a female, so I might automatically get the X. But at the Overlook Hotel, somebody might get the X from me. So I'm going to go with the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> and that is the end. <laughs> Girl, I you know what? Let's stop fooling around. Let's go ahead and get out of here so we can talk about 1999's The Blair Witch Project. And I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. I am so, so sorry because it is my fault because it was my project. Three missing Montgomery College students continues in Frederick County tonight. Ten days and thousands of man hours have been unable to produce any clues. We have a few leads, um, a few other options we want to take advantage of and just try to put together some, uh, some pieces to this puzzle. Do you believe the occult may be involved in the disappearance of your son? I'm so scared. Oh, right. So this trailer, I mean, it doesn't give away anything. But based off the trailer, I don't think I would have watched this. I really like the trailer. I like how simple it is. Um, for me, I am a very curious person, which is why I don't like my trailers to give away too much. So watching this, I think I'm more intrigued by how simple it was. And I'm pretty sure there probably were other commercials out because I know they had the missing posters out. Just as I mentioned before, and we'll be mentioning throughout the whole thing, the marketing for this is really what played this up. So I'm just curious um, what other trailers might've looked like. And I'll probably find some, I'm sure, after we get done recording this and see what actually would lead people to the website. Because if I was old enough, I know my, I, I wanted to know what was on this website. I mean, it's up right now and I took, I've taken a look at it. Then, if I was old enough to get on the internet by myself, I definitely would have wanted to check it out. Yeah, I probably would have, like, checked out the website and stuff like that. And then, at that time, I probably would have thought that it was real because of all of the marketing that they put into it. At that time. Yeah, I think that's what really ruins things now. It's so easy to figure things out that it kind of takes the fun out of it. That's kind of sad. Because watching this now, it I I don't get the effect. If I feel like the marketing is what made the movie, honestly. Actually, I would love to argue. So let's begin because I'm ready to argue. Okay. 
so the movie starts out with your typical documentary style intro where you have your screen explaining the background of the story. So, of course, in 1994, in October, you have three student filmmakers that disappear into the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland, while shooting this documentary. And a year later, their footage was found. So when the movie opens, you're introduced to Heather, Mike, and Josh preparing to leave for Burkittsville. One Heather's thinking like the dream. I was feeling that little comb headband she had. It was cute. You know, I really didn't pay attention. It was cute because, yeah, because after we meet, because as we're meeting them, this is where we also establish that we have two cameras. So now, you know, you're going to get two views. One is the 16 and one is the 18. And it's established that Josh will be running like the visual camera while Mike is there because he's going to be running this town. So once they get to Burkittsville, they interview residents about the legend and then locals tell them of Rustin Parr, a hermit who lived in the woods and kidnapped seven children in the 1940s. He supposedly killed them all in his basement, murdering them in pairs while having one stand in the corner. And you, f- well, you find out later on, not in the movie, but you find out that those townspeople were actually planted, but the actors didn't know at the time. I love all of these actors. It's kind of, like I said earlier, everything was a big improv thing. So the directors were going to basically, and I know some of you can ask, well, if there's no script, then how is this directed and written? Like I said, once again, if you're familiar with theater, it's very hands-on, hands-off. They're just leaving breadcrumbs for them. So what they did with the locals is they just told them like, hey, these kids are going to come in here, talk to you about the Blair Witch, make something up. On the flip side, they told the actors that they were just going to be asking these people about the Blair Witch under the impression that they thought these locals really knew something about the Blair Witch. So it's just a lot of mind games going on. Even the mom, my favorite, the mom with her little daughter, how it's a lot of happy accidents that make this movie so great. And here's one of the first ones. When the mom is telling her you know, made up story about the Blair Witch. Her daughter is like, what the fuck? Like, no, mom, like, be quiet. And she's (laughs) like, you know, sorry, like, you know, this is just a scary story. It's not real. But there's no way they coach that little girl to do that. You get what I'm saying? So it's just, I mean, it's more stuff, and you know I'm pointing out, but it's more stuff that happens that's just little happy incidents like that that just makes this movie charming. But before we go on, I have to mention one more person, and that's Mary Brown. Now, the thing about Mary Brown is she actually worked production on the movie. You get what I'm saying? And I can't remember if they couldn't get somebody to play this part. So it ended up going to her because actually she's the one that I, if I'm not, somebody can correct me on IG. But if I'm not mistaken, she's actually the one that came up with the lore and the marketing of all this Blair Witch stuff. So she really knew what she was talking about when she was talking to Heather and the gang. And I just think once again, that now that wasn't a happy incident. That was just somebody that was just really dedicated and passionate and understood the assignment of their job. You got to love it. Yeah, she was a little creepy. I liked how she was saying a frr, a nice frr. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Like, yeah, she was like, it was her her hand when she pulled it back. It was full of, it was dark, dark, frr, like a, like, frr. I'm like, why she keep rolling her eyes? Girl, sit down. 
<laughs> so they go to explore the woods in North Burkittsville to research the legend. They meet two fishermen, one of whom warns them that the woods are haunted. He tells them of a young girl named Robin Weaver who went missing in 1888. When she Great. returned three days later, she talked about an old woman whose feet never touched the ground. Um, then afterwards, they decide to hike to Coffin Rock where five men were found ritualistically murdered in the 19th century and their bodies later disappeared. The fishermen were cracking me up the entire time because you have the one with the glasses and his little coiffed hair, and then you have the other little thicker one on the other side. And it's the way that the slimmer one keeps staring at him. Why are you trying to tell his story? He like, dude, can you just let me tell my story? Like their interaction is so funny. I just want to know what did the producers tell them? Or did these two people even know each other? Because it seemed like they did the way they were acting. Because if not, somebody needs to put them on the payroll. It's a little late, but... Way too late. <laughs> so <laughs> they camp for the night, and nothing really happened when they camped that night. But the next day... That's they... the last time they're going to see that car. That's what happened. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> like that last scene shot, like when they just walk away from the car, I'm just like, damn, if only they knew. So the next day, they find an old cemetery with seven small cairns or rocks or whatever. One Carns. of which, Carns, one of which Josh accidentally knocked over. And then that night in their tent, well, not in the tent, but outside of the tent, they heard sounds of twigs snapping. And then they go investigate like weirdos. After Sydney Marie Prescott told y'all not to, you're doing it again. The following. Well, actually, no. To be fair, this was October 1994, so I can't use that argument yet. Yeah, this was before then. So the following day, they try to hike back to the car, but can't find it before dark and make camp. While they were hiking, Mike and Josh are starting to get irritated with Heather, who thinks she knows she it all. She's been annoying the whole time, the entire time, because we glossed over this. When they had to go across the stream with all the equipment, if she asks... How are we going to get the debt across one more time? I was going to lose it. Like, I would hate to be on a team project with her. I did not. Ha I had a drinking game, but we were it was no way we were going to do it on a podcast. So if you're watching the movie and you just want to get real fucked up, take the sip every time Heather annoys you. And I trust me, you'll be taken care of. OK, every time. Yeah, she couldn't read a map. It's clearly she couldn't read a map or a compass. She wouldn't turn off the camera or give up the map. And then during the night, when they hear the twigs snapping and leaves rustling, she decides to go out and investigate again. The next day, they find an old cemetery with the seven small rocks and, like, cairns. Sorry, cairns. Carns. Cairns. Carns. Carns. One of which Josh accidentally knocked over. And, and then. Up. Right. So that night, um, they hear, while they're in the tent, they hear the sound of twigs snapping and they try to investigate like weirdos, except for Josh. No, Mike, he doesn't go out. Yeah. First of all, Heather, once again, being annoying. How are you going to punk Mike for not wanting to go? Like if he don't, if, if you don't want to go, go. That was terrible. But you can't do that because even the next day, once I, I want to know what her zodiac sign is because she's yelling at him one night and then the next day she want to apologize and explain that she only did this because she wants to get a good project. I mean, a good project, a good product for her thesis. And Mike wasn't having it because he was like, 
Um, and I'm not going to play with that. And she's like, well, how do we know if it was people? And he was like, well, even if it wasn't, I'm not going to play with that either. And I'm like, as you shouldn't. He was the only one that really had sense, honestly. So the next day after this whole situation, they do try to hike back to the car and they cannot find it before dark and they make camp. But while they were trying- Two more hours, Max. I promise, guys, two more hours. (laughs) While they were trying to (laughs) find the car- um, Mike and Josh really started to get irritated with Heather, who thinks because, she knows it all. I mean, they had, and you're right, she thinks she know it all. He asked a very valid question. If the way we came in was a shortcut, why are we going back a different way? And of course, she don't want to be wrong. She can't read a map or a compass, wouldn't turn off the camera or give up the map. I do like that they address the, because, you know, in every found footage movie, what's the number one question that gets asked? Why are they filming? And because of this, it kind it's almost low-key a found footage rule that at some point we need to have a clear. I don't, I hate to say we need because I don't care. We If we taping it, we taping it. Like, show me, nigga, damn. But at some point, it has to be explained to the audience that once that why we're taping. And they ask multiple times. They tell her, turn off the camera. Like, why are you taping this? Like, if you're going to tape something, don't be taping our conversations and blah, 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 blah. And for Heather, she's trying to have some type of control of the situation and just say, like, I'm trying to document this so I can prove you guys wrong and da, 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 da. And this will be triumphant. Girl, girl, you focused on the wrong things. Honestly. And even on top of that, they really fed up with Heather because this is past the project time. They've been out in these woods for, what, uh, maybe two days or something like that. The dat needs to be returned in the morning. The camera that Josh brought needs to be returned in the morning. And he's supposed to be at work at 9 a.m. tomorrow. But anyway, that night, this scene kind of got me a little bit because they hear twigs again, of course. But this is, I think Mike asks, like, what time is it? And, oh. If anybody out there feels me, when you wake up in the middle of the night, you check your phone to see what time it is. I pray every single time that it's 5 a.m. and after. Because if I wake up and I see two, three, I get so pissed. I don't even go to sleep at a decent time anymore. I'm going to sleep at like 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. So I can't Um. relate anymore. (laughs) My sleep schedule is off. Oh, no. So this is when, um, you know. They wake up in the morning and they find that shit outside. Yep, they find three cairns that have been built around their tent. And no one is here for that. And this is when we find out that Heather's map is actually missing. And tensions continue to rise between them after this has been, after this fact has been realized. Eventually, after walking through the woods for some time, Mike reveals that he kicked the map into the creek out of frustration, which then pisses the other two off and they attack him in a rage. And now they really realize that they're lost. This entire scene, I really like how it unfolded because first of all, you see, okay, Josh and Heather get into it because she think he has the map and vice versa. Whole time, Mike ass is asking, we don't have the map. No one damn will this one. I kicked it in the goddamn creek the entire damn time. Anyway, poor Josh. He's losing all hope. He's like, it's, it's a scene in between this, all that we're talking about right now, where Josh is laid out on the ground and Heather like sits down. And it's kind of unsettling because you kind of don't know 
what Josh is doing at first, he looks like he's just strung out. All the claims that Heather makes about this being America and, and there's no way that they can get lost. And, you know, they even tried to settle on the fact that at this point, somebody has to come look for them because they know that, you know, they were supposed to be back. The last thing I want to say about this scene is, I don't know about you, but I've been through a situation where boys have played entirely too much and I've gotten a little sensitive because the whole wet shoe situation when Heather was not trying to be here for their games, like, I don't know, boys are stupid and they laugh at anything, but I understand why she was upset. She just couldn't take it. I say, well, it was partially her fault. She can't read math and she thinks she knows everything. But let's also make this very clear on that last note. Heather was very happy she wasn't the blame and Mike could catch all that heat. Right. So after they stop fighting, they decide to head south and discover, eventually discover the signature stick figure suspended from the trees. Uh, once they finally decide to make camp for that night, this, they hear more strange sounds. This time they hear children laughing. So see, they really kind of messed themselves up low key. Well, actually, they tried to help themselves because they go to camp without fire or any light because they think, you know, the past few nights where we had fire and light, we've been giving away our location. So that's why people have been messing with us. And so now they like, okay, well, let's just go completely in the dark. And still, it gets even worse. Yeah, because somebody roll up on them and shake their tent. <laughs> Bruh. And... Obviously, outside of the movie, we this is the director and the entire crew messing with them because there were even speakers set up throughout a certain radius throughout where they were. So when they were hearing things, they couldn't really tell where the sound was coming from because it really was surrounding them and it just made them very disoriented. So much so that they fleed the tent in a panic and hit us the woods until dawn. Another happy incident, and it's just like, uh, okay. When they run out into the forest and Heather screams, what the fuck is that? And they just run and it's that iconic chase scene and you just see Heather. They were supposed to turn around because we were actually supposed to see the Blair Witch. It was actually the film's director, well, the film's art director, excuse me, Ricardo Moreno. He had these white long johns and these white stockings and these white little pantyhose pulled over his head. And the way they had him standing in the spot, you really couldn't tell what the heck you were looking at. But because, once again, you know they don't know what they're getting into. They just get a piece of paper and roll with it. They didn't know they were going to see him, and it genuinely scared him, and nobody ever turned around with the camera to see what it was. But to be honest, I'm glad we didn't see it. And I know a lot of people, they're like, well, I would rather see the monster. I wanted to see the... No, that's how shit gets ruined. Because just think of, I don't know which movie it is in that franchise, um, The Conjuring, that has the uh, the cricket man. The cricket man. I was so mad that I actually got to see what he looked like. He scared me the first time that he popped up out of that little thing because it was dark and I didn't know what I was looking at the entire time. It's so many movies I can rattle off that people like because they get to Sinister is a great example. I think it's the part that happens at the end of Sinister that makes me so upset because it changes the villain for me. Like, we don't need to see it. I say this all the time. My mind is going to think of some way more messed up thing than you can ever show me. This is practically why the ending of It Chapter 2 doesn't live up to a lot of people's expectations. Because even because how Stephen King wrote it, 
what Pennywise is, is something the mind cannot imagine. So they imagined it as a spider with Pennywise's head. Does that look scary in person? No, not really. I mean, you know, it kind of looks kind of crazy, kind of cheesy. But if it was just this mystical being, for real, for real, my mind would probably think of some wild ass crazy shit. It's like a lot. Of, I want to say a lot of things in this movie, because even later on, it's another part that some people kind of get upset that they can't quote unquote see. But I feel like we get enough for the mind to wander. When they finally return to their tent, they find that their possessions have been rifled through and Josh's equipment is covered with slime, but it was actually KY jelly. And at this point, Mike is over Heather recording and tries to get her to cut the camera off and she bites him. This is really the point where Josh starts losing it. Mike even has to take Heather to the side and tell her she needs to be sensitive because she is, and you know I'm all for the girls, but she is really being a little bitch. She's getting on my nerves this whole entire movie. <laughs> they and came- she makes one more reference to how America is this place where we just burn all of our natural resources and it's fine we're gonna get out the woods baby no it's it's still some places that's pretty lush exactly especially in 94 exactly. especially in 94 okay and i was with oh first of all first of all josh had it when he was singing um fuck i can't even think of the name of the song but you know what he was singing america then they start singing the star spangled banner I'm like, oh, child, y'all really three. Y'all ready to go home. Yeah, this was actually after they crossed the river identical to the one that they crossed earlier and realized they walked in a circle. This yeah, is when Josh so, starts filming Heather. Yeah, and now she's crying. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, here's your motivation. You're lost. You're angry in the woods, and no one is here to help you. There's an effing witch, and she keeps leaving itch outside your door. Josh, there's no one here to help you. She left trinkets out your fucking door and you took one of them. She ran after us. Oh my gosh, he was drilling her. And that's and this is what I'm talking about. Like at this point, Josh was not playing. Josh was not the character, Josh. Josh was the actual Josh. Because if you think about it, like I told you guys earlier, they were giving pieces of paper that say, this is your motivation, ABC, blah, 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 blah. He was literally using real life inside of the movie and you would never know that unless you know the behind the scenes things you know what i'm saying but just and they were also giving them less and less food as the days go by yeah and then gonna make their secret to cold word taco man fuck (laughs) y'all so that night josh disappears at some point in the night and listen can we talk about his disappearing story Listen, when they let when they let him know, when they gave him his little piece of paper and said, you're going to disappear, they found him, right? And they said, okay, well, you're dead. And he was like, oh, okay, bet. Because whole time, he had this concert that he wanted to go to. So he went to Denny's, got stoned, and went to this concert and went about his business and got his check, as he should. And I love it. Right, because I know he was hungry. <laughs> he was ready to go, Okay. So the next day, they tried to find him. Heather and Mike tried to find Josh, but they couldn't find him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they kept on trekking through the woods. Now that night, they hear Josh's agonized screams, but of course can't locate him. And And even right here, because when they hear his screams, Mike is like, do you think it's them fucking with us? He's talking about the actual crew, because you know them was the ones that was like real life fucking with them. But like... 
I just love it. Because, you know, we, if you're just watching the movie and you're watching it, you have no knowing of any of this behind the scenes stuff. You just, and half the time, if you don't watch this with captions, you probably miss half of the dialogue anyway. You know what I'm saying? I had to watch watch it. it, Yeah, I will understand. Yeah, now I watch it with captions, but I know I've watched it without before. But um, Cause yeah, I, that's as, my as loud point. as I turned my TV up, I still couldn't hear them. So I had to turn on. Right. Mm-hmm. And when he asks, do you think it's them effing with us? He's talking about the production crew. He's not talking about this lore. Because at this point, I think the production crew was scaring them more than the actual Yeah, assignment. they were. They were scared. Because <laughs> when her running out the tent after they shook the tent, that really scared her. Yeah, because, I mean, they weren't being let in on anything, which works so well. I think it's another movie that we just discussed that does that, and I can't quite remember what it was. But I feel like that works so well when you don't know. The next day, Heather discovered a bundle of sticks tied with fabric from Josh's shirt. Initially, she ignored it, but they had to tell her to go back and look at it. Yeah, she was trying to be slick. She was like, I'm moving it from in front of the tent. (laughs) <laughs> so when she finally looked inside of it, she found blood-soaked scraps of uh, Josh's shirt, as well as teeth, hair, and a piece of his tongue. Um, and, and she this, was fucked up over that. I mean, okay, and then you didn't know tell what? Mike. I was trying to, I was trying to figure out like how would I act. I would probably react the same way off tip, but I know I like to stare at things, so it just depends. But um, I would have told the person who I'm with. I wouldn't have kept that to myself. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I feel the same. But these are also real teeth from a Maryland dentist. I just want to know which one of y'all did it. Which one of y'all provided them teeth? I really want to know who it was. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the other part I was talking about. I remember earlier I was saying, like, how they didn't catch the quote-unquote Blair Witch on camera. Yeah. I find beauty in the fact that we don't get, like, a a holding shot on the content of what's in there. Like, she does show it a few times. And I feel like it's enough for you to tell. Like, you can clearly see that's a tooth. Yeah, but, like... Yeah, because I've heard a few people say, like, they get upset that it doesn't focus in on it. Why? Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, with these current found footage movies, they probably would show it to you and focus on it. Some of them would, but why? I know in my found footage movie, I would. I'd be showing y'all everything. <laughs> because like, if like if we, I bet you that some people, if we didn't read off what was in there, they probably just would have thought it was teeth and a shirt. Yeah, I just thought it was teeth. And yeah. Blood. yeah. But like, it's so bloody and so dark that you can't tell anyway. But like I said, once again, your mind's going to make up more messed up things than you ever could. And speaking of, Heather's mind is clearly off her rocker. She is distraught. Yep, because that night, that's when we get this infamous Snotty Notes crime scene of herself apologizing to her family and Mike's family and Josh's family, taking responsibility for their predicament. Poor child. And even this, once again was another happy accident. She wasn't supposed to tape that like that. But every, and they had her tape this multiple times. And every time she kept pressing a button that kept zooming in on her face and they just kept it. And now that's like a scene that's gone down in history. Now what I do remember is the spoof from Scary Movie. Cause you know, they had to uh, make the, the nose drippings look real extra in Scary Movie. 
Of course. And it's crazy because if you ask a lot of people, like I say, you know, a lot of these movies that we do on a podcast, depending on what year they come out, I'll make a comment and say, like, this is one of those things that have for us kind of always been here. And I'm aware, I'm already knowing that a lot of people probably know this scene from Scary Movie before I even person. had seen The Blair Witch Project. I am that person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that night, they again hear, not too long after her snotty nose is falling up the screen, they hear Josh's agonized cries and follow them into an abandoned house. Lord, would you go in that house if you seen that? No. Hell no. And then it's all boarded up. It looked like that house that um, Axel was taking Megan into. Morgan, whatever her name was. That house it actually looked better than this house. I don't know. Because <laughs> even on these little ghost tours that they tell you to do, and they have like these abandoned um, buildings like this in the woods, I still wouldn't do it. But they go inside, and there's a whole bunch of demonic symbols. It's more of runes, runes but backwards runes mm-hmm. that are on, on the wall, and a lot yeah. of bloody children's handprints. And they're trying, they're running through the house trying to find Josh. And it's so funny is because it's like the, his cries never sounded like they were coming from in the house. Because uh, Mike's camera is the one that has the sound, right? And Heather, you know, she has a camera that Josh had. That's the one that doesn't record the sound. So this entire scene, anytime you hear sound, is coming from Mike. So even when you hear... Well, we'll get to it. But even when we hear Heather later, that entire scene sounds so weird and disoriented because you're like, okay, it's not coming from her. I'm right here with Heather, but this is not coming from her. How is this happening? We're hearing it from Mike the entire time. Yeah, it sounded weird. For this entire scene, I love how they set it up. When they got to the house, they came to Mike. They gave him a little piece of paper, and it said, okay, when you get to this point in the house, just take off running. Stay as far as you can in front of Heather and start looking for Josh. And when you hear Heather scream, I feel so bad because she genuinely sounds scared. Like, she is terrified. Her voice is trembling, honey, like, Poor thing. Yeah, she was. I was being annoyed with her screams, though, because she. Ah! Ah! Girl, shut up. But (laughs) they finally go into the basement. Well, Josh goes into the basement. No, wait, shit. Mike goes into the basement. And then something attacks him and drops the camera. They did this part so swift. When they caught him, basically, when he drops the camera, it's the crew, like, catching him they put the camera down they said okay you're dead go stand over there in the corner heather's gonna run in here any minute because remember you know they told him stay far in front of her and then this is when heather comes in and <sighs> her camera catches mike standing in the corner then an unseen and foreseen unseen force sorry an unseen force attacks her causing her to drop her camera and then footage ends some people really did get upset at this ending because they said they didn't understand what it was. And if you're one of those people, basically, do you remember that whole Rustin Parr thing? And we were talking about how when he would take his kids into the corner, he didn't like the eyes watching him, so he would make one stand in the corner while he dealt with the other one. And that's basically what happened here. I'm still, like, gagging over the fact that during the movie, (laughs) they had walkie-talkies to make sure that they didn't get lost. But they still got lost at least three times. 
I know one of those times they got lost, they ended up at somebody's house and the crew had to come get them. I wonder how that worked. Like, you just have these kids just show up at your door asking, can they come in? <laughs> and then they gave them a hotel room and food. And then it was like, okay, next day, we shoot. Speaking of food, they kept, like, decreasing their food supply over the eight days of filming so they would be, like, naturally crankier. Oh, my God. Yep. Y'all were torturing those children. Yeah. Or even, um, once again, going back to the marketing, when they got done filming, they had to disappear for a long amount of time to make the story seem plausible. Heather's mom was getting letters because people really thought she passed. It was definitely weird because I know she's probably like, why did people send us to my house? It was probably an odd experience because it's like, you got to go along with it. But it's like, my daughter's right here, but people are really... <laughs> right buying into this story and I mean just overall I'll just go ahead with my thoughts because I understand as I've said plenty of times throughout the show I understand how somebody might not grasp onto this as others like myself might but I am the type that I always have an appreciation for um, pioneers when it comes to movies so um, even with slashers, like I really like Black Christmas as an early slasher or even just as an early final girl. Like I'm really into seeing like how things culminated and how they've um, transformed into what they are now. And with the Blair Witch, you cannot deny that all of these happy mistakes, all of these just genuine tactics that they use made a movie that will forever go down in history as legendary and i just i get how somebody can think is boring but i also would say to that i will question like are you putting yourself in the right atmosphere to watch it because if you're watching this movie and you're letting yourself get distracted and you're not really immersing yourself into this 60 minutes that we're lost in the woods with these characters and i can understand how this one can just you know not be your vibe and pass you by but if you really allow yourself to get lost in the woods with these characters over the course of 60 minutes because they get lost at the 20 minute mark it's worth it and it's really good and it holds up the look the style the way it's cut and edited the we're not looking at someone every time somebody is speaking sometimes people aren't in the camera it just works for me like i get what you're saying but i just couldn't get into it i did not like it at all like it was boring to me very boring to me and heather got on my fucking nerves the whole entire movie and like more than half of the movie she was kind of like sounding like a karen to me and i get that that was the po- the point of her character they wanted her to have like a captain ahab quality obsessively documenting er- everything or whatever but i just couldn't it was getting on my nerves Ew. it was i just I just couldn't um Maybe if I had saw this back in 99 or in the early 2000s, it would have scared me. But now I just couldn't get into it. This movie has a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb and 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. And John A gives it a 40. What is your rating, Ashley? I am going to give this movie what it deserves. I am going to be giving it an 86. Okay. Are you ready to go to the souvenir shop? Well, 
I guess we have no choice. It seems you survived. Well, before you go, join us in the souvenir shop. All right, so you guys will be able to see the cover art posted on our Instagram page at D180Podcast. And there happens to be a website that still sells fan-made memorabilia. Yes. some Blair Witch-themed items. I think it's so crazy because I actually, and this is not for the original movie, I worked at the radio stations when one of the remakes came out. And I am just so upset that I did not take advantage of the merch. I'm just kicking myself right now because I was thinking about it like, dang, it was some things I do have because I know I have a better watch out uh, sweater. That's not a word. Better watch out sweater. And at the time, I didn't know the movie was what it was. So I... I'm probably still going to wear it. I'm not going to stunt. But, you know, I still do feel the way about that movie. But <laughs> uh, I miss working at the radio station. I like free merch. Like, Girl, as much as when we were uh, doing Brigade, I was always trying to get free stuff. Always. It's all, free merch is just always the vibe. Just, who chow? Well, now that that's over, so I don't get any more sad over not having that merch. Let's talk <laughs> about these park announcements, shall we? All right. So to continue jumping off May for our lost and found footage, we'll be coming back next week with 2014's Creep. But before then, make sure you guys, as Shawnee said, come visit us on our IG at D180 Podcast. If you want to visit our park themes to see what we'll be talking about next, they're available in our IG highlights. If you want to submit, excuse me. If you want to submit a movie idea for us to review on the show, you can either submit it to our email at destination180podcast at gmail.com. Or, I mean, hit us up on Instagram if you want to. We're going to see it either way. And don't forget, do not forget to please leave us a review. We would definitely appreciate a written one if you can. But if you just want to leave us five stars and we still got a five-star rating, you can go ahead and do that too. Alright, survivors, we'll see you next week when we cover 2014's Creep. And we ain't talking TLC, honey. It's a different type of creep. We'll see you soon, survivors. Bye, y'all.